Welcome to QAV episode 433, the free edition. This week on the free edition of the show, Tony's talking about reporting season, some of the changes to his scorecard, including CGF, YAL, NAB, DOW, and AZJ. He's also using CGF Challenger as his pulled pork for the week, dr- drilling down into the fundamentals of CGF. Dave from Newey asks if Tony ever uses range trading to squeeze some extra percent of return. Doug asks if there's much to be gained by buying and selling during reporting season or should we just wait until it's over and do our list then? And then on the uh, premium version of the show, which goes for about another hour, there's a lot of other things we get into, including natural gas, palladium, nickel and aluminium stocks, the CBA off-market buyback, the MXI 5 for 1 consolidation, sell lines for stocks that are going ex-dividend, and uh, a lot more. But anyway, if you're new, if you've listened to the show before, you know the drill. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3, and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back to the QAV episode 433 TK in uh, week eight of lockdown in New South Wales. Yeah, we're now officially in a seven-day lockdown. <laughs> Tell people the gag you just told me. What was it? Yeah, the, the worst part of a seven-day lockdown is the first six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, i got to tell you, I did find a bright side when we had our eight-day lockdown here recently. The best thing to come out of it is at the end of it, I realised I didn't need to vacuum the car that weekend because we hadn't, <laughs> we hadn't used it. So I was like, all right, that's one good yeah. thing. I don't have you to haven't play. paid for petrol in eight weeks either. It's a good thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> News. Uh, where do you want to start today, Tony? Uh, well, just um – race through it as quick as possible, I guess, and get on to the questions. But uh, it's company reporting season. So there's been a, a few additions to the list. Um, Challenger came on last week. Yan Coal's back. Coal companies are doing well at the moment. And be careful of Yan Coal because it's got two big shareholders and a small average daily trade. So you can get squeezed on that one when it's time to get out. Uh, National Australia Bank. And uh, I've been updating the the manually entered data sheet on, in Google Sheets on our website. And thanks to Gary M for updating uh, for NA, NAB. So 
check there if you're doing your analysis. Uh, down are EDI's on, Horizon's on. Uh, there's a couple which are reported which haven't made it, like um, Unibail Redamco Westfield, uh, which is a shopping centre company. It's got good numbers, but the sentiment quite isn't there quite yet. AGL's got great numbers, but it's in a share price decline. So we'll watch those and wait for them to turn up. I um, did a scorecard about an hour ago, and I came up with one that uh, wasn't in the manual data, the shared manual data sheet, so I updated it. EHL, Emico Holdings. Emico. Okay, yeah. yep. I got them with a QAV score of 0.12, and they've just, mm-hmm. just gone into positive sentiment, I think. But um, the reason I did this is also comes back to Gary M. So Gary mentioned on in the Facebook group on Friday, I think it was, that Australian Super, his Super Fund and my Super Fund, uh, have an option where you can take control of how the money is invested into shares and ETFs and stuff like that. You just have to let them know and they switch you over to a, you know, you can directly manage it. So I thought, oh, I'll do that. Wow. But you're limited to ASX 300 uh, shares. Mm-hmm. So I did um, I did a download today and just uh, I found out that Stock Doctor have a filter for ASX 300. So I added mm-hmm. that to the filter. I created a new QA filter and added that. Um and really struggled to find stuff to invest in when I was limited to the ASX 300. What initially really? I could only I could only I only came up with I think AZ no ING and Dow. Yep. Um, but then uh, I'm getting some feedback from uh, Lee and Steve and Gary in the Facebook group. Um, I had to drill down a lot lower <laughs> than I'm used to drilling down in the list. I had to go below. The preliminary QAV score of 0.1 down to things that had a preliminary score of 0.7 and stuff like that, and, okay. and that kicked them up. 0.07. Yeah. yeah. Point, um, sorry, 0.07. So I'm just thinking, yeah. I'm not familiar with that filter, but uh, do you have to also include ASX 200, ASX 100s, and ASX top 20s in your list? Because I, you're basically – I invest in ASX 300 stocks and there's a lot more than the ones you talked about there. Well, I ended up going down further. I ended up getting about 10. Westpac, Sun, NAB, ANZ, ING, EHL, CBA, Horizon, Mm -hmm. CNU, Chorus Limited, and Dow. I don't think Chorus – does Chorus have sentiment? I think they do, yeah. It's it's pretty tight, but I think just – yeah. Okay. But uh, that was it. So that's all I could get with a score of 0.1 or above, 10 stocks. Yeah, sound- I, I think I've got uh, – I would have said there was more than that. but Okay. Just let me have – because I screen mine now. How many have I got? Um, I don't screen by the ASX. I screen by average daily trade, which would correlate to ASX 300. Right. Uh, I would have one, two – Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, no, about nineteen, twenty stocks on my list. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'll have to. What's uh, the um? Hmm. What's the uh, size of the three hundredth stock? Do you know? No, I don't. Okay. 
Uh, all right. Well, I'll have you to. You should have more. I'll have to mm. drill down in again and try and figure out where I'm, what I'm missing there. Um, my question to you was going to be if if I can only find ten stocks to invest in, uh, you know, what should I do there? Should I take my entire fund and split it evenly between ten, or should I take half of it and invest in ten and put the other half in an ETF until I can find more stocks to invest in? How do, oh, if I, I can't like- find fifty or twenty? I always like being fully invested, so I'd invest in 10. Like just split it evenly between the 10? Yeah, correct. Right. Yep. But I should be able to find more. So I'm doing something wrong. But it was it was really um, like a bit of a, an interesting process for me to go from the normal full scope of the ASX to limiting to the 300 and really struggling to, uh, uh, you know, find stocks with a good score. Yeah, I'm just having a look at the. I'm just running a quick filter now. Um, looks like the market cap. You want you want a market cap above about twenty million. Oh, right. 20 billion, Sorry. Right. So that would be the other way to filter for it. Perhaps is just to look at. Oh, hang on. No, wait on. That's not necessarily correct. I'm just trying to get the market cap. So, no, forget that. It's um. Just let me have a look. Yeah, no market cap for ASX top three hundred goes right down to a hundred and twelve million. Right. And. Uh, 15 pages of output on the stock filter, so there's plenty there. Well, can you can you uh, pull up your most recent checklist for me? And let's yeah, just sure. run through the top few, top five or ten, and I'll see what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. So my, my top stock is Zycom, then Medusa Mining, Challenger, Cash Converters, Hum Group, Capral, Image Resources, IVE Group, Michael Hill. Hold on, sorry. NG. Are these limited to ASX 300 or this is just open slather? No, this is open slather. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's. No. The first one that I've got there is Hum Group. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to. I've got them as negative sentiment on my list. Have they crossed over today? Have they? They were getting close. Yeah, look, I've got them. On the line, or maybe slightly below the line, but it's uh, you know not good. Uh, I'm just looking at it now. The sell line uh-huh. that is. Yeah. <laughs> My computer's running very slow. Here we go. Yeah, I got them right on to um, sell price of ninety five, and they're currently ninety six. Well, according to my stock doctor, there's current prices ninety four five. Okay, but anyway, they're right on the line. So I mean, yep. I don't, if I see a stock that's right on the line like that, I'm just going nah. Yep. You know. Yep, that's fair. So go down your list again below hum. What have you got after that? Uh, I'll just go through the big ones, hey. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. challenge challenges large. 
Okay, let me have CGF. No, let me just check that. I mean, it's on the list, but I had it as a no for sentiment. I'm going to just recheck that. So, yeah, like, oh, actually, okay, no, it's above its sell line. Why did that not show up? Let me see the byline. Ooh, yeah, okay. So it's just above its byline. Yeah, so I've missed that one. I'm going to go look mm -hmm. at my manual data. Why? How did I miss that? It's not even, I did. I haven't even done the manual data for it. I don't know how I missed that. Okay. So by the way, when I run a stock doctor filter for top 300 ASX, the smallest average daily trade is 250,000. Right. So that's leaving a lot of stocks on my top scorers list. Okay. Well, I've got a. So do you have Medusa mining, for example? Medusa, Medusa, Medusa. QAV no. score 0.62. No, they're not showing up on my list at Oh, let me go to SD data tab here. MML, right? Yeah. No, they're not in the SD data. So they're not an ASX 300? Um, good question. I would have thought they were. Well, they're not in the download that I did from Stock Doctor. Okay. I'm not sure how I can tell looking, looking them up if they're on mm. up there. It's usually just by the market cap. Like they've got a market cap of one. Oh, maybe not. 169. Okay. No, it was in my – I just ran a filter then of uh, top 300 stocks and it was mm. saying it was there. Hmm. Well, that's it. Weird. Yeah. Let me just double-check that. Beach Energy is another one I've got a zero here for, but I think I did – yeah, I gave Beach Energy a no for sentiment. Correct, yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll need to go through and just debug my – checklist a little bit more like i don't know how i missed challenger yeah right that's a big one mm. okay i've obviously screwed something up anyway thank you actually i'm for, just looking at you're right mml is not asx 300 so oh okay all right well i'll have a look and try and figure out where i'm going wrong we don't need to waste more time mm -hmm. on that what else did you want to talk about news wise tk uh, just the stock pull apart, which is going to be Challenger. All oh, right, pull pork. I don't pull own pork, them, yeah. so you're allowed to talk about them because <laughs> you won't crash I do, my portfolio. Right? No, hopefully I won't crash it. It's it's interesting. Like over time, a lot of these companies come on and off my um, top scorers list over a long period of time. So I've bought and sold Challenger in the past. Uh, so it's and it's had a, a reasonably checkered career of say, the last sort of five or so years. Um, it's, a, it's a company that issues and sells annuities. So if you're a retiree, you can buy a guaranteed pension from these people. So you invest with them and then they give you a guaranteed return. I think last time I had a look, it was around 6 or 7% per annum. So better than the stock market dividend. And then they go out and try and invest um, and get a return which is above that so they make a profit. And it's uh, it's fairly actuarial. It is actuarial based. 
it's fairly regulated to make sure that they can keep paying their annuities. Uh, I think from memory, way back when they first started, they were going out and buying commercial property uh, that had rental yields above what they were offering people back when interest rates were high and you could get sort of 9% yields on rental property. Uh, so they then diversified as they got bigger and, and started just investing in, in various different things. And uh, they they would publish their threshold of, of what their return on investment needed to be to to make the whole system work. And over the last sort of, since interest rates have been going down, I guess, in the last, heavily in the last sort of five years, they've had to lower that threshold a couple of times, which the market hasn't liked. Um, but these last results have turned it around a fair bit. Um, and I, we talked about this, I think, um, in the Facebook group. Their CEO's announced he's retiring, even though he's only been there for about four years, I think, but he has been with the company for a couple of decades. So, um, And it's an orderly transition, so he's not going until March, which gives the company plenty of time, the board plenty of time to find a replacement. So I'm not too worried about that. Anyway, running through the numbers, uh, I'm getting a QAV score of 0.4, which is quite high. It takes it up to the top of the list or near the top. It's a, a large cap, so average daily trade is nearly uh, well, 9.9 million per day, nearly 10 million. Uh, getting a quality score of 67%, 10 out of 15. Uh, good financial health, strong, and uh, the financial health trend is recovering, which is something I like to see. So they are recovering from this period of of uh, when they fell out of favour with the stock market and the share price tanked. It's now turned around. ROE is pretty good. Not that we um, we invest on ROE, but at 16.88%. Price to operating cash flow of two, two times, PE of nine times. So, yeah, quite good on the value side of things. I'm getting an IV2 of $6.56 and the share price is $6.31. So it, it meets that metric as well. Uh, the book plus 30% or NEPS plus 30% is $7.39. So it's below that. Uh, and I'm using a, the share price I'm using is $6.31, which was when I ran the download at lunchtime on Friday. Uh, doesn't have a great yield, so it's not scoring on that basis. I think it's around 1.5%. Doesn't have a founder holder. It did have a founder holder who left the business, um, but he'd been there for a long time as well. Uh, he left the business uh, probably about five years ago and timed it quite well, I think. Uh, it's a recent upturn. Um, it's the lowest PE in the last six halves, uh, but the equity isn't hasn't been increasing consistently. So all in all, scores well and a recent upturn, so I've, I've bought some. Mm. Good. All right, thanks for that. Challenger. What else do you want to talk about? Well, there's lots to talk about, but maybe we should do some questions we can come back to it if you like. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've got a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Dave from Newey. This is uh, one of Dave's holdover questions from several weeks ago. We've been slowly making our <laughs> way through Dave's questions. I hope it's still relevant. <laughs> he says, uh, execution of the buy. My understanding of Tony's strategy to execute a buy of a QAV stock is to wait for an upturn and get in then – possibly with some dollar cost averaging involved. Has he thought about or does he think his broker thinks about using some basic charting analysis? Examples I can think of are MML and KRM. Both are range trading to me. MML, low 80 cents to mid 90 cents. 
KRM low five cents to mid five cents to squeeze a couple of extra percent of return as Tony ever tempted to wait out the bottom of the range before buying or is a positive uptick in sentiment the overriding factor? Yeah, good good question and um, I haven't really thought about it. Uh, My my experience is just to get in as quickly as possible because if I can see – value in the company and there's a reason to buy. There must be someone else out there who'll see it, so I want to get in quickly. So, yeah, I do wait for an upturn day because if the price is going down, you may be able to buy it cheaper tomorrow. But, yeah, no, interesting question. If if Dave has some experience he wants to share, and and by experience I I mean um, something that's tested, something that's got rules around it, not just – well, you know, look at this candlestick chart and when it gets to the breakout buy or whatever, I need to have some rules around what to do. But I'm not averse to it. I just never – I've never sort of waited around to try and finesse the, the buy price. Stockbrokers, um, if you're using a stockbroker, they have a, uh, a duty to provide you with the best price and that means that they should use not just the ASX but Chiax as well to find the best price and they should um, try and maximise your price using their buying of the stock, uh, but that's, you know, you're relying on your stockbroker from that point of view. But no, I haven't ever tried to analyse my entry or exit to finesse an extra percent out of it. So I'm, I'm just making sure I understand what Dave's talking about here. So I'm looking at the MML price over the last month. If I look at a sort of a daily chart over the last month, it's not actually, is it? It's not even, this is like every two hours over the last uh, month, I think, on the front page of their page in Stock Doctor. Yeah, that's weekly over two years. No, at least on my one it is. No, I've changed it to one month. So okay. uh, it, it right. starts at uh, the 16th of July at 4 p.m., then it goes 19th of July, 11 a.m., 19th of July, 12, 1, 2. It's an hourly thing mm-hmm. over a month. So if I go back to the 19th of July at 11 a.m., it was trading at 93 93.4 cents. Um, then it sort of went down to 79.7 on the 28th of July and then further down to 77 cents on the 10th of August and then – Currently, it's trading around eighty-one and a half cents. So, is is Dave saying that if you decide you're going to buy in, to uh, wait till it gets down to the the sort of lower area of what it's currently trading in and buying then? He is right. Yeah. But the question is, I just need some rules around that because how do you know it doesn't sort of spike up like it has on some days? Yeah. You know, and then keeps going and doesn't come back. So he's saying it's range trading, which it has been. But when does that stop? Yeah. So I just need some rules around it. And it's – if you look at the bottom, like in the bottom of my Stock Doctor chart, I have the volume graph there as well and it's pretty erratic. So there's some really high volume days, some really low volume days and a high volume day doesn't necessarily follow a low volume day and vice versa. You can have three low volume days in a row. Mm. Um, so I'm just not – I need to know what was driving that to make make a system, I guess, to exploit it. Mm. So but your mindset is when you've decided it's a buy, you're just going to buy it at market. 
Yeah, as long as the share price isn't going down that day. So I'm kind of doing what Dave's saying. If the share price is going down, um, I wait for it to start turning up again, which should hopefully be at the bottom end of that range he was talking about. Right. The sort of 85 cents rather than the 95 cents. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm not trying to finesse it any more than that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Mark. Hi, Cam. I was wondering if you could discuss the buy oh, time. Oh, sorry, Cam. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, we had one carried over from Doug, which we should get to as well. It was actually before Dave's on my list. Question from Doug. Is there really much to be gained during reporting season? Uh, I guess he means there from buying or selling. Should one just keep abreast of the stocks they have and then wait until the end of August before investing again? I recall TK saying it can take time for the market to truly digest and process a company's numbers. So, yeah, so um, I, I'm always trading during reporting season because, you know, again, it's my experience that the stock can move quickly on the day. Uh, we tend to have to wait for a couple of days to get the numbers in stock, Doctor, before we can make a decision anyway. So we've missed out on that first sort of leg up or leg down, I guess, um, either way, uh, by waiting for a couple of days. Um, so I like to trade as soon as I can and try and capture as much of that first tick up or down till I can. My point about uh, capturing uh, the, the market taking a while to process is, is still true. So that's why I can buy and sell dur- like you know in other periods outside of reporting season because the market is still processing um, the numbers for months after reporting season is finished, especially when the stock price is moving up or down. Those numbers will change um, in terms of value anyway. Um, so, yeah, so both things are true. I prefer to trade during... Um, reporting season, but I'm also happy to trade outside of it. Right. So during reporting, uh, you know, during this sort of period, mm-hmm. um, you're not waiting for a company to issue its report before you're buying something. Uh, that's a different question. No, the question that that Doug's asking is, should you trade when the numbers first come out on a company-by-company basis or should you wait until the end? And then stack rank them. And that's a good question because if you're trading, like this week we've had numbers coming out from, say, ComBank, Downer, EDI, Horizon, but they might be worse than the companies that report next week. They may have better numbers, but I'm still happy to buy as the numbers come out. Um, and if I, have a, if I haven't bought the thing that which would have been top of the list at the end of reporting season, well, so be it. There's still, um, it's still, you know, a good buy. Right, but my so my take on Doug's question, I might be misunderstanding this, but it, like I'm buying if I'm buying stocks today that mm-hmm. aren't one of the companies that have uh, published their financials that have come out yet, uh, so they haven't reported their June figures. Should I be you know? But they're coming up the top of my list as it is today, even though we don't have their June figures yet. Should I be buying them because the list is the list or should I be not buying them and waiting for their figures to come out or waiting for everybody's figures to come out? You yeah, like to be fully question. invested. Right. That's a different question which I'm happy to talk about as well. No, Doug's, Doug's asking do you buy during reporting season or do you wait till the end and stack rank and buy down the list? Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Is <laughs> that different from what I just said? No, you just said if something hasn't reported yet, do I buy it? 
Yeah. Doug's not saying that. Well, that's Doug's rep- saying, does he buy Commonwealth Bank today, now it's got new figures in stock, Doctor, or does he wait until the end of the month and see whether ComBank ranks higher or lower than something else he could have bought? Um, and I'm saying I'm okay. buying ComBank today. Right. Well, to your I, question, which yeah. is if, if ComBank hasn't reported yet but it's still on our list and it's high up, mm. would I buy it? Yes, I would. Okay. So either way, you're you're just working on the figures as they exist today, whether they've reported Correct. or not reported, the list is the list. The scorecard's a scorecard. Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because we've had a few questions about that, and I've been wondering that myself. There's been a few people asking that, um, obviously, in the last uh, couple of weeks. Should we wait until reporting season's over? Before we start investing, or should we just keep moving? So keep moving. My ex- my experience is that if you wait, um, yes, you might finesse the order in which you buy because you'll have all of the numbers into the the top scorers list. But you may have missed out on a thirty percent upturn for those companies which reported good figures. Yeah, yeah. You may have missed out on WWG, which is. One that I bought uh, just a week or two ago, it's up twenty one percent. Right, in the, in the and the last converse week. is too that. Um, <laughs> well done. The converse too is that, uh, like I bought uh, Suncorp before it reported, and then it reported good numbers, and the shares went up. So yeah, it was already on the list, um, and that's often a a thing you'll notice in reporting season, like a week or two before the numbers come out. If the market's got a pretty clear indication they're going to be good numbers, they'll start buying the shares. Before the report comes out, yeah, and uh, and then if it, if they're if they're pleasantly surprised after that, they'll keep buying, which often happens. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Day, uh, Doug, uh, Mark. Hi, Cam. I was wondering if you could discuss the buy timing to try to reduce the risk of a stock dropping by greater than five percent on the next day or so. Tony says that he normally doesn't buy on down days, thinking that it could be cheap, but more cheaper tomorrow. Buys are done at 11.30 a.m. after the market has settled. Is there anything to consider? Also, what time frame is used to decide between selling with a 5% loss and break even? If a stock goes up the day after you bought it and then goes back down to your buy price on day two, is it a break-even sell or do you let it go for the 5% loss before considering to sell it? Cheers, Mark. Yeah, I, I don't really have hard and fast rules on all this stuff. I know people are craving them, but <laughs> my experience is that um, I just try and ignore it after I buy it. Um, if I happen to find out it's dropped 5 to 10%, then yes, I will sell it. Um, but there's no – is that a, the next day, a week, a month after? There's no hard and fast rule. Um, I wouldn't want to keep it if it drops more than 10%, but, you know, then there's cases where I have because I, uh, I think it might turn around and it hasn't and there's been cases where I've sold it and it has. So, um, yeah, it's... it's uh, You're not hitting refresh every half hour after you buy it just <laughs> no. to see where it's at like I am? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, because, yeah, think oh, about it. Oh, so nice it to be rich, Tony. You're like, oh, it doesn't matter. That's not the reason at all. You've got 15 to 20 stocks and you're talking about one stock dropping 5%. So that's 5% of 20%. Um, you know, it's a hit to your portfolio of 1% at the most. Yeah, but if you buy 10 not, stocks that day and they all go down 10%, that's a lot. Well, then maybe the rule needs to relate to the concentration in your portfolio as well mathematically. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's no yeah. hard rule. 
Right. So rule number one is never don't lose money um, with the caveat that don't drive yourself crazy by <laughs> refreshing oh, yeah. refresh on the stock every half hour. <laughs> yeah, and please don't buy it today and then in the afternoon sell it because it went down 1%. Like you'll just you'll just eventually you will get through all your capital doing that. So. <laughs> well, Buy you know, and, and try I have it for a while. You know, I have since we've been talking about rule 1 over the last couple of weeks, I have <clears> sold a lot of stuff that did drop 5 or <clears> 10% and replaced it with something else, but now it's at a point where my everything's up. Like everything right, is good. well and truly up. Oh, that, actually, that's not true. Okay, there's a couple of things that are still borderline. You know, they're still, okay. one, you know, 0.1% down, 0.01% down. My total return, right? Vita Group. Yeah. Come on, Vita Group. What are you doing to me? Uh, Lindsay Australia is 1.28% down, but everything else is up. So I feel a lot less. Um, worried about oh, having pressure. to, yeah. yeah, having to check it now. I'm like, oh, okay, so now it'll just tick along until something breaches a three point trend line. I'll just update my sell lines every month and get alerts from Stock yeah. Doctor, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the way I started doing this was to look for a 10% stop loss, I guess you'd call it. I don't put a stop loss in, I don't put a stop loss into the market, but um, yeah, I, I felt uncomfortable if something dropped more than 10% from what I paid for it. Um, that's not going to happen in the usually in the day or two after you you board. It's going to happen over time. So I'm not watching it as soon as I buy it. I'm watching it, you know, over the long haul. Yeah, but I, mm. I mean, I kind of understand the um, temptation if you're building a portfolio for the first time and you're buying mm-hmm. stuff and it and you see it going backwards immediately to go, oh shit, uh, you know, at some point you you need to cut it. Um, if you buy mm-hmm. it and over the next week or two weeks it drops by 10%, then, yeah. you know, I'm going to cut it cut, and yeah, find something definitely. else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got to be more than just the vol- normal volatility in the share price, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just bad luck. You know, if you're looking at the share and like as Dave was before and it's going up and down between 85 and 92 cents mm. or whatever the numbers are, mm. don't don't get too upset if it drops back to 85 cents again. So that's a good point. So look at the look at the normal trading range of the stock, and mm-hmm. if it's in between that, if it's always going up between eighty and ninety cents in the last few weeks, then don't worry too much about it. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm sure all this stuff can feed into some math somewhere to to really find you know put a fine point on these rules, but I've just mm. never done it. Yeah, it's never been an issue for me. The no, ice seriously. man. Ice man. It's not that. It just hasn't happened. You, know, <laughs> you will drive yourself crazy if you buy something <laughs> and then check the price an hour later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't drive me crazy, but it is, it's just extra effort and then you need to do mm-hmm. another download and all that kind of crap, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, of course, brokerage fees and all that kind of jazz, which, yeah. uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. For, for most people listening to this, their brokerage fees aren't going to be a big whack, but it's only when you get, you know, kids like Taylor and his mates that are investing a small amount of money in the brokerage fees a lot, but they're doing they're doing very well. <laughs> they're not complaining. <laughs> Their QAV portfolios are great. He tells me he keeps giving you know giving you a hard time about what an what an investing genius he is. <laughs> or does he just say that on our walks in the morning? No, oh, he Tony. 
Tony, oh God, Tony doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I've I've only been doing this for like two months, and I'm like fifty percent up. I'm a complete <laughs> legend. <laughs> Is he really fifty percent up in two weeks? In two so, months? Uh, yeah, he only bought five stocks, and three of them were up like fifty percent. So uh, <laughs> oh, fantastic! That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A I told you what to buy. B, I did it using oh. Tony's system. So don't pat yourself on the back too much, sweetheart. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah no, he's joking anyway. But yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're setting up a uh, Brisbane meetup um, mm-hmm. probably in the next uh, week or two with all of the Brisbane mm-hmm. crews. Taylor and his mate and Hunter are coming along. They want to come along. And oh, good. There's, we've got a bunch of interest from the folks in Brisbane. So we, we need to get it in before... Some of you people from New South Wales leak over the border and put us into lockdown again, so need to get on that sure today. We need to organise it. We can't inspect some property up there or yeah, yeah. visit our second homes. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, if you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, and also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, Go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1 as well, all of the free episodes in Season 1, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week. And you can follow us on Twitter at QAVpod.com.